What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. This is Matt Wyrick along with Blake Pace, and you are listening to the latest episode of Reasonably Outrageous. Obviously, we took a step back this past week, didn't have any episodes, so we're doubling up on the division previews for the NFL. We've got a couple of things to rehash on some previous previews, but before we get to that, Blake, it's been a while, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. Yeah, sorry about uh, last week. It was unfortunate. I was up at a conference in New York, uh, and then I realized that my business was, uh, or the company I work for, was rooming us up with people. So I had a roommate, um, so that ruined my plans of being able to do the calls. But yeah, excited to be back. Football is back. I've got the Notre Dame-Louisville game on right now, uh, which Louisville coming out strong so far with an early touchdown lead over uh, Notre Dame. But uh, yeah, just hanging out, ready for uh, ready for football, man. We got Thursday coming up, regular season kickoff, a full week of action. College football's back. This is one of my happiest times to be alive. Honestly, I mean, we're really going to be getting into the swing of the sports calendar once, especially once NBA comes back, NHL. We'll have all four major sports going on at once. We just had our last Sunday uh, without NFL football until after the Super Bowl. I am thrilled. Um, looks like you know the, this heat wave is finally starting to cool down a little bit, and we're getting into some cooler weather. That means football's coming. I'm I'm in full swing. I'm ready to go. Uh, and this season's it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for this weekend. Certainly. All right. Well, we had uh, some major news uh, in between <laughs> our happened? last show and this one. Uh, you know, something that Bill Belichick didn't seem to notice, but everybody else did. Uh, Andrew Luck stepped down, uh, decided what? to retire. Uh, Blake, clearly oblivious to this as a dedicated Colts fan that he is. Um, obviously, it was big shocking news at the time. I was at a bonfire, and this kid I didn't even know walked up and said, uh he told his buddy, hey, man, you didn't you pick luck in fantasy? And he said, yeah. He's like, he just retired. And I totally thought he was messing with him. Turns out he was not. Um, no, he was not. My jaw just dropped. It was crazy. But you as fans, you as sports uh, followers, you all know about this by now, or at least we hope so, if, unless you've been living under a rock. Jeez, so yeah. we're not going to rehash that necessarily. But we did, uh, what was it, two days prior do our – AFC South season preview, which was very much contingent on Andrew Luck being on the team. And normally we wouldn't rehash division previews, but when it comes to a starting quarterback, especially the reigning comeback player of the year, uh, a quarterback who clearly was the anchor of that offense, uh, we kind of have to revisit things a little bit. There's definitely a reshuffle, I think, in oh, yeah. what we're going to be expecting out of the AFC South this year. So I'm not going to go into too much detail, but wanted to revisit those picks. I'm going to go ahead and read them off, Blake, if you don't mind, real quick. Yeah. Uh, where we went uh, before, I was at 12-4 and with the Colts winning the division, followed by the Texans at 8-8, eight and eight, the Jaguars at 7-9, and nine, and the Titans at 4-12. and 12. Where you came in with the Colts once again leading the division, eleven and five. The Jaguars coming in at ten and six, getting one of those AFC wildcard spots. The Texans finishing seven and nine, and the Titans tied with them, uh, seven and nine as well. So it kind of depends how many losses, Blake. Do you think um, Andrew Luck? I guess how many wins theoretically uh, was Andrew Luck worth to the Colts, and where do they sit now? Yeah. So what's interesting for me is to me Andrew Luck was worth. Uh, two wins 
two wins. I believe that the Colts still have, you know, a top three offensive line, solid running game, good uh, receiving weapons, good tight ends, and a solid defense, including the reigning defensive rookie of the year coming back with a solid draft class as well, added in Justin Houston on the defensive line. To me, Andrew Luck, in the playoffs, is worth victories, uh, and the regular season was worth two to me. Um, Interesting enough, though, that was not the only thing that really changed uh, for me, because there was another team that bumped themselves down with a terrible last few weeks, in my opinion, and that was the Houston Texans. So uh, things started, things definitely shuffled around for both of those teams for me. Um, I am keeping the Titans and the Jags with their same records that I still had. Um, so, but where I've where I've gone and changed is I've brought the Texans down to seven or sorry to six and ten, putting them at last place in the AFC South. I thought. Getting a left tackle, certainly a great upgrade, but since then they also lost Lamar Miller. They did trade for Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson, but I feel like that's too much of a reshuffling. And then they traded away Jadeveon Clowney for a bunch of scrubs. And, you know, to me that defense was already thin. They did add linebackers that are depth, and they didn't really have a ton of great linebackers. But that team, um, you can't put a team together in a couple weeks and just think that it's going to work out. They did get a left tackle. They did get a receiver. They got two running backs. They got two linebackers on defense, but that's too much shuffling to do a week before the season, and I think that this is going to be a pretty bad year for Houston, so I have them down to 6-10. and 10. I said that Andrew Luck is worth two wins, um, but one of those wins uh, I'm going to give back to them because of the Houston Texans being bumped down, so I have the Colts tying atop the AFC South at 10-6 and six still, um, and as weird as that might sound, I you know, I take a look at their Vegas odds, I take a look at their division odds, and I still really like those numbers that they're at. So if you're a gambling fan out there, I I would go ahead and take a good look at them. Um, But yeah, so just to rehash that, tied at the top of the AFC South, I've got the Jags and the Colts at 10-6. and I I went ahead and put the Jacksonville Jaguars as the division winners. I'm still tossing that around in my head who I think will win the series. Then I have the Titans at 7-9 and and the Texans at 6-10. and Matt, how crazy am I for still having them win the division? I think you're pretty wild, but I I, dis, I, I agree with you that uh, I don't take I think I don't think they take a huge step back, but uh, I think it does cost them the playoffs. Uh, I'm going mm. with nine and seven after picking them to win the division at twelve and four, so a three win swing. Uh, the loss of Andrew Luck, which is definitely significant. Um, uh, I do think that Jacoby Brissett comes in and is fine at quarterback. I don't think he's going to be a disaster by any means. And like you mentioned, the roster is stacked around him. So he's definitely going to be put in a position to win. Um, but with the Texans taking a step back as well, trading Clowney, uh, losing Lamar Miller to a torn ACL, um, I'm actually having them take a step back as well. I had them yep. at 8-8 eight and eight, taking advantage of this opportunity here. Um, that makes the Jaguars bump up to 10-6 and six in my estimation uh, after originally having them at 7-9. and nine. I've talked myself into it. Uh, I, I think they could sweep the Colts series, and that's a, a two-game swing, swing right there. I think they play the Texans harder than uh, they were expecting them to. So I'm going Jags 10-6, and six, Colts 9-7, and seven, but missing the playoffs. Uh, Texans seven and nine, and the Titans stay in at four and twelve. So uh, mm-hmm. I think they definitely take a step back without luck. There's no question about it. I'm going with three wins. I think a franchise quarterback, as opposed to an above average backup, um, should be at least three wins in my estimation. Uh, I just think that they have such a good system around them, and that they weren't depending on luck to be a superstar quarterback necessarily for the team to be successful. That certainly helped uh, and put them in the conversation for. Uh, being among the best teams in the league. I mean, a lot of people are talking about them being a team uh, potential for a buy, but 
uh, yeah, I'm I'm going with Colts nine and seven, Jags ten and six, um, and you know I'm it's going to be an interesting year for the AFC South. Certainly, um, mm-hmm. one that just a few weeks ago looked to be a powerhouse uh, division, uh, at least in the making, we, with the potential for three teams to really compete for a playoff spot. And now it's just kind of a toss up at this point. Yeah, definitely. And so we're not too far off on that. You did have them a little bit higher than I did initially. We both dropped them down some. Mm-hmm. I guess I only, because of the Texans, I only dropped them down one. Um, but, you know, the Jags, man, they have a great opportunity here to take advantage of, of what's going to be, you know, um, kind of the two top contenders in that division kind of messing themselves up. Uh, you know, the Jaguars have walked into a chance where they could walk away with a division easily. I certainly think it'll come down to the division tiebreaker between the Colts uh, and the Jaguars, you you know, we both predicted them at ten and six. So uh, you know, really, you know, and, and you didn't have the Colts too far off. One of those games swings, and you could have you know either the division winner. So definitely an interesting opportunity. That offense in Jacksonville is going to look great uh, with Nick Foles back there instead of Blake Bortles. The defense is solid. Miles Jack got paid. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting year, and and you know the shakeup of how it'll affect next year because Texans you know lose their draft capital. You know the the Colts do they go after a quarterback? How does Brissett perform? Um, you know the Titans how are they going to you know move on for Mariota? Do they get a new quarterback? It's definitely going to be an interesting season in the AFC South, and way more interesting than it was two weeks ago. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for the oh, AFC yeah. South. That so, was our quickest uh, one. I love things, it. That really was. I mean, hey, we, we've it. already talked about them enough. I didn't exactly. want to rehash uh, too much. But that's going to close our second AFC division uh, that we've talked about so far. We've done the AFC North. We both each had two playoff teams coming out of the North. Um, you now have used both of your wild card spots uh, going into our yes. AFC East discussion, to, which will be right now. Um, plus, we're also going to talk some NFC West. Uh, like I said, we're doubling up on the previews uh, today, and that will actually wrap up the entire NFC. So we'll be able to, to close the book on that. And uh, real quick, next week or next episode, sorry, on Thursday, we're, we're coming at you guys back with, with our normal schedule this week or Tuesday, mm-hmm. Thursday. On Thursday, we'll be hitting uh, the AFC West to close out the divisions, plus talking Super Bowl picks, MVP. What will go comeback player or not comeback player of the year, but let's go defensive rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. Maybe give out a few other picks. I don't know. We'll talk about it. Yeah, uh, I like figure it. Figure something out for sure. But we'll, the we'll kind of complete tie the bow on the NFL preview um, with the season starting later that day with the Packers going to Soldier Field and um, Bears playing host. So that's exactly. going to be a, a fun way to kind of transition into it. Maybe we should have done the NFC North last. That would have been fun. But oh yeah, oh, that well, been a fun one. Um, <laughs> We we did not plan that far ahead. Instead, we had Melvin Gordon and uh, Ezekiel Elliott holding out, so we reshuffled yes, we things. Yes, we prioritized that. Way, that. <laughs> Hopefully, one of them would have uh, joined their rejoined their team by now, or been traded, or whatever. Obviously, neither of those things happened. We're still waiting right. on Zeke. We're still waiting on Melvin Gordon. Um, and, but we'll get into all that at another yeah. point, unless you want to hit something real quick. No, yeah, I mean, just that we know that, you know, Melvin Gordon put up an Instagram story today about a women's soccer player with the hashtag no pay, no play, so he'll be sitting out this season from what it looks like or trying to request a trade. I don't think that that is going to end up working out. I don't, you know, there are a few teams that came out um, that he, you know, followed on Instagram. He had a really busy day on Instagram. He followed the Eagles, the 49ers, uh, there was one other team, so He's trying to hit up some guys that he wants to get traded to, but we shouldn't see him. Jeez. Maybe we see Zeke, but you know, definitely two two impactful running backs. We'll see what happens. 
Yeah, uh, hopefully you invested in uh, Austin Eckler in fantasy because that's looking like a pretty oh, sexy yeah. pick right now. Uh, I know I did, but we're going to go ahead and jump into the AFC East uh, and doing things like we have been uh, throughout our previews here, going reverse record uh, from the 2018 NFL standings. Uh, and looking at the AFC East, my standings aren't loading. So, Blake, I'm sure you've got that in front of you. Um, who came in last last year? You know, that is super funny uh, because I didn't have it pulled up, but now I've got it pulled up. And it was the New York Jets at 4 It was the New York Jets. The New York Jets Not at very surprising. No. Well, they had a busy offseason bringing in plenty of new faces, most notably uh, Le'Veon Bell, the big name. Uh, out there as running back after he sat out all of last season. Speaking of guys who, running backs, who decided not to play, they're obviously coming in with higher expectations. They bring in Adam Gase to help uh, Sam Darnold continue in his development. They're hoping for the defense to take a bit of a step forward as well after being an encouraging unit uh, down the stretch last year. Blake, what is your biggest storyline when it comes to the Jets? Yeah, I mean, uh, the second year for Sam Darnold, um, we, we, we talk about rookie performances and, and how quarterbacks perform in their first year, and we usually say the sophomore season is where they really make that big leap from, you know, whatever the rookie season was, we'll, we'll figure out who they should be by the end of their second year. So it's going to be a big year for Sam Darnold under center. Now, fortunately, a lot has changed in that organization that is going to help him out. Of course, he's got uh, a running back, Le'Veon Bell. His receivers are going to be back and healthy. Uh, we expect big years from Robbie Anderson, Quincy Inunua. Uh, tight end help, Chris Herndon, when he comes back from his suspension, what impact can he have? And then, of course, you get an offensive-minded coach in there in Adam Gase you know as opposed to Todd Bowles who was everything defense so you take all of that into consideration and then what are you left with uh you know the only thing that concerns me is the offensive line you know what are they going to get out of their offensive line It, it probably is the worst in the league they had to convince a center to come out of retirement just to be able to you know put out a starting five that that is at least adequate so big year for Sam Darnold you know that, and anyone that's listened to this show knows that I'm not huge on on Sam Darnold. This will be a big year for him to to prove me wrong, essentially. Yeah, I mean, obviously a big year for him, and the offense is kind of... I mean, the ceiling depends on how well Sam Darnold plays and how his development continues from last season, if the, the second half was a fluke or not. But my, my X factor is Le'Veon Bell because he can really make Sam Darnold's life a lot easier uh, if he comes back and plays to the level that we're used to seeing out of him. You know, obviously when Adam Gase was in Miami, he you know didn't have a running back of Bell's caliber uh, he wasn't really able to implement that kind of offense. So we're going to be seeing a new look uh, from Gase with an offense. I think it's going to be more built around Bell's skill sets than it is going to be around Darnold's, simply because if the team does hope to compete this year, you know it, it's a much safer bet to, to count on Le'Veon coming back from a, a year off than Sam Darnold you know, necessarily being a superstar quarterback. So I think uh, it, it all kind of depends on, you know, is he back in, in shape? Is he going to be able to be his normal self? You know, being away from team for an entire season, uh, certainly you, you get out of that grind, you get out of that routine. Uh, a lot of players are prone to gaining weight. Um, Bell, certainly not someone who strikes me as being complacent. Certainly I expected that he was working out the entire season last year in uh, anticipation of possibly joining the team uh, in Pittsburgh at some point, never ended up doing it. Um, but we'll see if he can, you know, fill in seamlessly for the Jets. Uh, you know, just fantasy-wise, a lot of people taking him in the first round, and it's certainly a, a questionable decision 
given, you know, I think his ceiling is as high as anybody else uh, in the league at the running back position, but his floor certainly, you know, has some question marks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and my second takeaway, I'm taking a look at their defense, and I, I like a lot of things with their defense, um, you know, you know, uh, especially in their safety duos, Jamal Adams and Marcus May, probably the best young safety duo in the league. Uh, Jamal Adams is a guy that, you know, people will probably say by the end of this season is the best safety in football if they aren't saying it already. Um, I do like some of the pieces they got in their front seven. Losing Avery Williamson for the season is huge. Um, you know, he was the guy who was you know, essentially leading the defense, calling the plays at the linebacker position. Um, the problem for me with the defense is their corners are probably the worst collection in the NFL. Um, and, you know, last season they overpaid for, um, excuse me, for Tremaine Johnson. Uh, he had a lackluster season, then was a little banged up. Should be healthy for the start of the season, so we'll remain to see what's going on there. But beyond that, there's really no depth. And in a league where you've got, you know, a gunslinging quarterback like Josh Allen, you've got Tom Brady in that meticulous offense, uh, Miami, uh, not too worried about there. Um, you know, defenses or opposing teams are really going to feed you know, opposing offenses are going to feed off of that secondary. And you talk about teams that they play early on, the Cleveland Browns, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. They play the Patriots twice in the first seven weeks. They also play offenses like the Raiders, like the Steelers. Um, You know, how is that secondary going to, you know, make up for the lack of talent on there, the safeties and, and the rest of the defense, how they're going to make up for that. So questions in the secondary definitely for me heading into this season. And my big thing on the defense is that linebacking core, specifically the guys in the middle, uh, C.J. Mosley brought in on a massive contract uh, this year, five years, $85 million, the highest, middle, highest paid middle linebacker in the league, uh, which is kind of like running back in that a lot of teams don't like to invest a lot of money in the position, given that, you know, certainly it's Mosley is one of the best linebackers in the league and, and deserves to be among the highest paid players uh, at his position. But just the position overall isn't seen as necessarily as important as perhaps a lockdown corner or a premier pass rusher uh, that you might invest in uh, otherwise with that money. However, that's the kind of, that's the move that the Jets pull, and it's turning out to be uh, a good move considering Avery Williamson, uh, who was supposed to play alongside him in the middle, suffered a torn ACL earlier in August. Mosley is going to be leaned on more than ever uh, to anchor the middle of the field uh, for that defensive side, be uh, the commander on defense, and he's certainly capable of that. Anchored a very, very good defense in Baltimore uh, early on in his career, leading up to last season uh, when it was one of the best in football. So I, I think that you know, while at the time it, it didn't seem like the best move, I think it's low key going to be very important for them uh, considering the loss of Williamson. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're going to need someone to fill in that hole on the inside of their linebacking core. Um, third thing with me, just taking a look at the schedule, like I've been doing with all of my third. Topics and the Jets really just start off rough. Uh, you know, they they start off their first seven games against <laughs> all teams that I think they have a chance of losing to. Make that eight actually. Play the Bills, the Browns, the Patriots, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Patriots again, and then Jacksonville. Now people might say people might like them more than Buffalo. Uh, people might like them more than Jacksonville. I specifically don't. To me, that looks like an at best two and six start. One and seven start. Uh, so, you know, they're really going to have to take advantage of weeks nine through 14 when they play the Dolphins, Giants, Redskins, Raiders, Bengals, Dolphins, because that's a really easy stretch for them. But 
they need to do, you know, they need to get out of those first eight weeks at 500 to be able to be the team that everyone is expecting them to jump up and be. Um, sometimes when you get in that early start, it's just demoralizing and affects the rest of your season. I could definitely see that being a thing for the Jets this year. Yeah, my last thing is the presence of defensive coordinator Greg Williams, which I don't think it's talked about enough. Uh, he obviously, with the Browns last season, stepped in as interim head coach in the team really took a big step forward uh, on the both sides of the ball, and he helped develop a lot of the young guys there uh, throughout his tenure in Cleveland. I think you know he's a very blitz-happy uh, defensive coordinator, so you're going to see a lot of weird defensive fronts and defensive sets uh, out of this team throughout the season. They just don't have a, a pass rusher who necessarily stands out to me as someone who will uh, you know, rack up 10, 12 sacks in a season. And I think that's going to be very important for him to find a player of that caliber. I like Leonard Williams. Uh, he's only 24 years old, uh, came into the league with the Jets, has been healthy every single season, had five sacks last year, seven, two years ago or in 2016. Um, and at that time, he, he became a pro bowler. So he's certainly shown uh, the signs of being able to, to take that big leap. I, leap. I think this is going to be a big year for him, especially under Greg Williams' system. Uh, so I'm looking at Williams to have a very strong season at the defensive tackle, defensive end position. Yeah, definitely. That's going to be a huge part because, you know, Williams doesn't have that Miles Garrett character that he had last season. So he definitely needs to mm -hmm. find someone in there. But it will be interesting to see how he works with Jamal Adams. Uh, definitely probably, you know, getting Greg Williams, definitely one of their better additions this offseason. Um, so with that said, uh, for the Jets, to me, um, you know, those first eight weeks kind of essentially do it for me where I'm all out. I think that that could really have an effect on how their season goes. I do think they improve upon their four wins from last year, but I've got them at six and 10, uh, and that finishes third in the AFC East. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I'm coming in at a cool eight and eight. Uh, okay. just the, the present, the presence of the Patriots, uh, looms over this division, and I don't. I think all the, a couple of the teams, the Jets, the Bills, they've been working toward challenging the Patriots at some point in the future. Uh, but this is not going to be the year just yet. They need to see what they have in Darnold. They need to see what they have in Bell. They need to see if a receiver can step forward uh, in that group of guys uh, that we've been kind of waiting on. You know, Quincy Anunua and Robbie Anderson were both very highly touted uh, heading into last season, and neither really stepped up in the way that we were hoping for. I think Anderson did show some flashes of being able to be a, a true number one, but uh, he's really going to have to put it all together and, and build up that chemistry with Darnold. But I'm going at 8-8. Eight and eight. That's a four-win swing from last year. Uh, I do think that they are certainly a better team. They've spent like they're a better team. I think they have a better coaching staff around them. Uh, you know, Todd Bowles not necessarily uh, proving to be worth uh, the head coach position in New York. I, I don't know if Gase necessarily did that either in Miami uh, to be able to handle this job, but you know, he's certainly got a much better situation with the Jets than he did with the Dolphins. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Say they take a, a, a leap forward. I'm going with eight and eight. And wait, that puts them. I'm going to have them at second uh, in the division. There you go. All righty. So a little bit of a disagreement. We both think they improve, uh, but I just think that mm -hmm. there's still um, not there. Maybe another year or two, but but definitely improvements on both sides. Well, moving on, though, another team with a second-year quarterback, uh, and this is the Buffalo Bills uh, coming in with head coach Sean McDermott, uh, Josh Allen at the quarterback position, an intriguing team. Uh, last year had zero expectations whatsoever. Obviously, finished better than the Jets. They ended up coming in at 6-10, and 10, uh, which was uh, much better than a lot of people were expecting out of them, uh, given that their offensive line had basically nobody. They had an unproven raw rookie quarterback who didn't even start uh, at the beginning of the year. 
and the defense is young but certainly has tons of question marks. Blake, where do you come in with the Bills? Uh, for me, this is just a much better situation for Josh Allen than what he was thrown into last year. Last year, the Buffalo Bills had probably the worst, I would say in the bottom three, four offensive lines in football, had no real receiving threats. Uh, at the time, I believe even Kelvin Benjamin was there uh, you know, with his thick boy yes. body, um, but there really wasn't much there. Uh, helping him out at all. And so now I think this year when he given, they did move on from LaShawn McCoy, but Devin Singletary has made you know a lot of good impressions early on. Him and Frank Gore should be a decent duo there. They upgraded the offensive line, spent a lot of money up front, so hopefully the protection works better for him. And then at wide receiver, they, they found guys that fit what Josh Allen needs. John Brown is a guy that will will take the top off the defense. And for a guy that has one of the strongest arms in football, you know, that is what you need. They didn't have that guy last year. You get Cole Beasley, a great guy to work the middle of the, the offense. Hopefully a guy like Zay Jones can learn a little bit from him. Zay Jones has kind of been underwhelming in his start. Hasn't been too impressive in the preseason. You certainly would hope that he would get things going. But overall, to me, this is just more... Uh, weapons, more protection for Josh Allen. I believe that this is going to be a big year for him. I expect him to be one of the breakout candidates this season with a full year uh, as the starting quarterback under his plate. And I think we're going to see massive improvements from this Buffalo offense. Yeah, I think my my big thing is the wide receiving core too. And an interesting stat uh, that came out of last year, Bill's quarterbacks had a higher passer rating last season throwing the ball away than they did throwing to Kelvin Benjamin. (laughs) Uh, that is pretty telling about the kind of impact he had on the offense. Clearly, it was a net negative. Uh, So bringing in a guy like John Brown, who's been raved about in camp, obviously getting up there in age a little bit, but uh, still has blazing speed. Uh, Somebody who's a lot of fun to watch. I think Josh Allen is going to be throwing it up a lot, uh, and I'm excited to see the kind of connection that he has with Brown. I always like Cole Beasley uh, as the slot guy in Dallas. I think he's going to play well. Um, I think it's really a, a question of now that LaShawn McCoy is gone, uh, what exactly happens with that running game? Uh, Devin Singletary, the third round pick, impressed a lot in camp, but they still have guys like Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon, veterans who could uh, conceivably handle duties until Singletary is ready. Uh, so like you said, Josh Allen, a lot more weapons around him this season, uh, and I'm, I'm excited for what this offense can do. Definitely. And on the defensive end for me, they've got studs. There are at least one young stud at every Uh, kind of wave of the defense defensive uh, on the defensive line it's Ed Oliver to me this guy was uh, arguably top three pick up there Uh, they were able to get him later on at pick nine in the draft defensive tackle he's going to be right in the middle and he's going to cause disruption Uh, he kind of reminds me of a baby Aaron Donald he's he's not that defensive tackle that's 330 pounds but he's that smaller one that's shifty and just so physical that he'll burst right through offensive lines I really like him. Then you go back to the linebacking court. Tremaine Edmonds uh, was the youngest guy in the NFL last year at linebacker from Virginia Tech. Certainly a freak athlete, a lot of talent there. And then in the secondary, they've got Tredavious White, who... You know, I believe I'm not sure if he's entering his second or third year in the NFL. It might be third. It's gonna be third year. Yeah, yeah. And, and and so he was one of the you know best corners uh, to really burst onto the scene last year. I know he had a good rookie year as well. Um, so you know, I just think that this defense has a lot of star players, but also great depth around it. Um, and of course, Sean McDermott is by far one of the best defensive-minded uh, coaches in football. Yeah, I want to spotlight Tre'Davious White for a second. When he came into the league, he was a first-round pick in 2017, uh, 
but just came in at a wrong time to really get the recognition he deserved because Marshawn Lattimore sold the show and finished uh, as the defensive rookie of the year that season. But Tredavious White's numbers truly rivaled him. He had four interceptions and 18 passes defended, plus a, a forced fumble and a, two fumble recoveries, including one for a touchdown. So, you know, he had a fantastic rookie season. And then last year, some people suggested that he might have taken a step back. He, he only picked off two passes, had eight passes defended, uh, didn't force any other turnovers outside of those two picks. But in reality, he was just really providing lockdown coverage, wasn't allowing a lot of passes just to be thrown his way in general uh, with how well he was strapping down number one receivers. And I think he, you know, at, at 24 years old this season, uh, I'm expecting high things from him. I think he honestly uh, mm-hmm. is going to be in the consideration uh, for a top five corner in the league by the end of the year. I love it. He, he's he's insanely talented. And it's funny, yeah, he was part of that draft class and he got kind of overshadowed, but he had just as impressive of a rookie year and he's grown ever since then. Um, looking at the schedule, uh, I, I think the Bills have a really good advantage to get off hot early. And, you know, I could see them in week 12 as a team that is, is right neck and neck with the Patriots for the playoff, uh, for the division. Um, you know, they've got three tough games in their first 12 weeks against the the Bear or sorry the Browns the Eagles and the Patriots. But aside from that, they got the Jets, the Dolphins twice, the Giants, the Bengals, the Titans and the Broncos and the Redskins. Certainly all winnable games. There could be a situation where you see by week uh, by week 12 that the Bills, you know, are 8 and 3. Uh, they could definitely be in that situation, or maybe at worst a seven and four. So I think they get off to a hot start. Schedule gets tough weeks thirteen through sixteen, where they play at Dallas, at home against the Ravens, at Pittsburgh, and then at New England. Uh, but certainly, you know, they could take advantage of those early games, and if momentum shifts where they could steal one of those, they could be in in pretty good position. Uh, you know, come the end of the regular season. And my last thing uh, is with Josh Allen. You know, looking at what he did last year, he managed to surprise us and not surprise us at the exact same time. Uh, he surprised us uh, with his with his legs, rushing for 631 yards last year, eight touchdowns, uh, averaging over seven yards per carry. I mean, he absolutely displayed a dynamic to his game that we weren't expecting. But as far as a passer went, he he was definitely raw. Had 12 interceptions to 10 touchdowns, 2,000 yards, and 320 attempts. Only played. Uh, 12 games, made 11 starts, uh, but as far as yards per game goes, that's 172.8, so certainly you're looking for an uptick in that in year two, um, but I'm interested to see what the, the offense does uh, around Josh Allen and how they shape their game um, in terms of his legs, whether they provide more running plays, uh, kind of like what the Ravens have been doing with Lamar Jackson, uh, what we're going to be seeing out of that running back committee and how they're going to complement Allen in the backfield. It, it's going to be a really interesting dynamic, one that uh, are few and far between in the league right now um, in terms of uh, quarterbacks who can run but also really air it out uh, like Allen can. That's a very rare skill set uh, and something that I'm really interested to see how it translate on, translates onto the field. Yeah, man, it's a big year for Buffalo, and I've got them finishing second in the AFC East. I have them jumping up to 9-7, and seven, just barely missing the playoffs. I've got three teams in the AFC finishing at 9-7 and seven that just miss it. I think it's a big year for the AFC in terms of, of you know, ten, two 10-6 ten teams making you know the playoffs as wildcard teams. So Buffalo is right on the cusp of that. 
Um, I do think that they've made all the upgrades on offense they need to help Josh Allen. The defense is well coached and deep. Um, you know, to me, this is this is the future team of the AFC East. Not to say that the Patriots are going anywhere, but if you ask me out of the Bills, the Jets, and the Dolphins, which team I'm more excited from, uh, you know, for the future, right now, it's the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I, I just think as far as 2019 goes, um, I'm looking at two teams that are uh, going to be putting out basically not, not the same product, but having the same results. I'm going 8-8 eight and eight, uh, mm. for the Bills this season. I think that there are just you know too many things that, that need to go right for them to really make a push uh, for a playoff spot. I think the AFC uh, has some really talented teams at, at the top. Um, so I, I do think that a 10-win team could sneak in as a wild card, uh, maybe even a 9-win team. Uh, in the right situation, but I'm going with eight and eight, missing the playoffs, which ties them with the Jets in the division. But I'll ha- I'll give the tiebreaker to New York, having the Bills uh, finish third. All right, well that is a wrap on the Bills. Moving forward, though, we do have the Dolphins, uh, who finished last season at seven and nine. Uh, they are going to be looking very different this year after firing Adam Gase, bringing in Brian Flores uh, as the head coach. Josh Rosen was acquired over the offseason, but he won't even be starting because Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Harvard product, will be at quarterback. Uh, they're just a, a team that has been, uh, you know, the, the, one of those model seven and nine teams. We talked about the Titans uh, a couple episodes ago and how they just can't seem to get out of that rut. The Dolphins have been a similar team, had some playoff appearances over the past couple of years, but uh, with Ryan Tannehill, they weren't able to go uh, very deep into the playoffs, Blake. What is the biggest thing that stands out to you about Miami? Yeah, man, it's a new era in Miami. And Brian Flores, I've gone out and said before, I think he is kind of the true disciple from Belichick that can actually get it done. We've talked about how coaches have, you know, left the New England system and not done as well. Uh, Brian Flores is a guy that grew from the bottom of that organization through to the top now where he could be a head coach of his own team. I think that he is going to eventually get the Miami Dolphins to success. But year one, it is going to be a complete rebuild. You see, they've already traded their franchise left tackle. They've traded away a wide receiver. They traded away a, a Kiko Alonso to uh, your New Orleans Saints mm-hmm. a couple days ago. You know, it, it's a clean house. They want to get the guys that, that fit their system in there. And that's not just, you know, X's and O's. That is the culture. And, you know, from what it seems, Brian Flores really isn't, you know, been a big fan of maybe anybody in Miami so far. Um, So I think it's definitely just a rebuild season. Uh, There's a lot to be excited about in terms of the draft capital they have and and next year's potential class. Um, You know, take things into consideration. Bill Belichick's first year as the head coach for the New England Patriots went 5-11 before turning things around and turning it into the dynasty that it is now. Brian Flores, uh, I think, can have success in Miami, but this year is not the year. Yeah, well, uh, I think if you suggest that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the starting quarterback all season, uh, you might want to go get checked out by a doctor because there is going to be uh, some turmoil in Miami this season uh, with Josh Rosen waiting in the wing. You have anything Ryan Fitzpatrick does wrong, uh, you're going to be having fans clamoring for Rosen to take the field. Uh, And that's just never a dynamic Mm -hmm. you want to have uh, on a team. Now, I I think everybody kind of accepts that the Dolphins are going to be taking a bit of a step back this year, uh, the, the tanking for Tua. Uh, suggestions have been all over Twitter uh, as as something that we might be seeing out of the Dolphins this year. And, you know, they're just, I don't think there's a whole lot to like uh, offensively. 
with this team. I mean, you know, is it Kalen Balage? Balage? I never can say. Kalen, right. yeah, Balage. Balage, jeez. Um, yeah. who, who's seems to have taken over the number one wide uh, running back job. Kenyon Drake was a guy uh, last year who a lot of people were high on, didn't necessarily have the year uh, a lot of people were expecting. So Balage uh, has the opportunity to run away with that running game, but I have the feeling that the Dolphins are going to be behind a lot, which means they're going to be leaning on their receivers. Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, and Albert Wilson uh, project to be the top three guys with Preston Williams and Alan Hearns uh, in that rotation. Um, I I just don't think that anybody really stands out. Uh, Kenny Stills obviously no longer with the team after being cut on Saturday. Uh, I just don't know if if Fitzpatrick is going to be able to stay in that job uh, the entire season, and I think that's going to be uh, just a, a lingering storyline all year, kind of like what it was for the Bucks last year and, and when Fitzpatrick was in a similar situation with Jameis Winston. Uh, they went back and forth. Fitzpatrick's certainly prone to having some fantastic games at certain points, as he did against the Saints in Week 1 last season. Um, but uh, he was also very prone to some clunkers, some big high interception games. Uh, and I, I think we'll be seeing Rosen uh, a lot sooner than some people are expecting. Yeah, definitely. And for Rosen you know, taking off of that. Uh, This is a prove-it season for him, and you know, it's not going to be a great situation. I think he honestly might be in an even worse situation than he was in Arizona last year. There aren't offensive weapons around here. He doesn't have a franchise left tackle to protect his blind side, Uh, and and he's really just going to have to hope that the New England coaching system uh, alone itself will be an, an upgrade from whatever was run uh, in Arizona. But, you know, the time that he has under center. He needs to just audition, audition, audition for his next job because there's no way Josh Rosen isn't a starting caliber quarterback in this league. Uh, And I do believe that he's just been two years in probably the worst situations to be in with two franchises that don't really want him as their quarterback. I do believe that Miami does move on from him this year. You know, if they end up with the first overall pick or in there, whether it's Tua or Justin Herbert, uh, those are the two guys that I think so far I'm most impressed with. Probably give a little edge to Herbert, but Uh, You know, for Josh Rosen, try and make the best situation out of it because there will be teams calling for him. Uh, You know, I'm I'm on board, and I'll go out and say it right now. If Jacoby Brissett doesn't work out, I'm all aboard for the Colts trading for Josh Rosen. I just think, you know, at a rookie contract, why not take a shot at him? But, um, you know, big audition year for Josh Rosen to finally hope that he lands himself a starting job with a, a franchise that will build the right team around him, and also will give him the shot to stay there more than one season. Yeah, I'm certainly uh, rooting for him. Uh, After the tough situation that he was putting in Arizona last year, you could argue certainly the worst situation that any quarterback uh, in that rookie class was put into uh, with a first-year head coach with a terrible offensive line, uh, just not a lot of weapons around him. Yes, David Johnson is there, but, uh, you know, the old Larry Fitz really isn't going to get it done. Um, The defense... There are just a lot of question marks about that team, and uh, I think not that Miami is really in any better situation, especially uh, looking at 2019 Dolphins versus 2018 uh, Cardinals. There's a lot of similarities there, but, um, you know, my big thing is just going back to to Kenyon Drake. You know, we really were expecting some high things out of him last year. Um, Disappointed in in several aspects of his game. Uh, Didn't have the year that we were hoping for. Uh, they bring in some guys to, to help challenge him in the backfield, uh, you know, push him for that starting job, and looks like he lost out on it, uh, at, at least going into game one. Certainly, there's going to be a lot of room 
uh, for him to to try and make an impact and show that he can take a jump forward in year two. But it's not as if the the Dolphins are going to be up a lot and able to run the ball, um, giving him you know ample opportunities. He's going to have to make his chances count, um, and I, there there will be some, but. Uh, it, it's a big year, prove it year for him. It's a prove it year for a lot of the guys, especially on this offense, um, but especially for Kenyon Drake in my mind. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, it's Kenyon Drake might have been one of the more frustrating guys to to even just over the last few years to take as a fantasy guy. He was a guy that I feel like I've had two years out of the last three, and it was just always frustrating just seeing the lack of production. Um, so definitely a big year for him as he tries to salvage whatever might be uh, his NFL career. Uh, my final topic, uh, we, I, I talked, we both talked about Josh Rosen and how he's not the week one starter. And I thank God that he's not. And I think that we won't see him until week six because I wouldn't want to start Josh Rosen's first four games as a Miami Dolphin playing at home against the Ravens, one of the best defenses in football, then playing against the Patriots, one of the best schematic defenses in football, then playing Dallas on the road, one of the best defenses in football, and then playing against the Chargers, uh, who have two very talented edge rushers. Of course, they're not going to have Derwin James, but certainly have talented uh, players on defense as well. So, fortunately, Josh Rosen won't be available that first month. Uh, and after that, the schedule does give them some fair opportunities. Um, you know, uh, you know, I'm trying to be nice to them. I mean, they played the Giants and the Bengals in Week 15 and 16. But they've also got games, you know, two games against the Bills defense. You know, they play with the Washington defense that's very talented. They play Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Philadelphia, New England again. Uh, there's not a lot that I like about this situation, but I like the fact that at least Brian Flores is realizing we're not going to throw out this quarterback into his first four opponents against defenses that are among the best in the league. Yeah, and honestly, my last thing here is Xavier Howard on the defensive side. Um, who is their star cornerback, led the league in interceptions last year uh, with seven, uh, returning him in total for 52 yards, uh, 12 passes defended, which he actually had 13 the year before. So he's proved uh, that he can be among the better cornerbacks in the league. But honestly, I, I think his numbers go down this year simply because they're not going to really need to throw in his direction. There's going to be a lot of other ways to pick apart this Miami Dolphins defense. Uh, I'm interested to see what Brian Flores does with this defense. So certainly uh, you're, you're hoping that it's going to take uh, a different approach this year and, and be uh, an improved unit, but uh, he's working with a lot of spare parts. And you know, Xavier Howard stands out as, as kind of that that star player, that Pro Bowler, um, certainly in the prime of his career uh, right now, entering his age twenty six season. But uh, I, I don't think that we're going to see a whole lot of Xavier Howard highlights this year, simply because opposing offenses aren't really going to need to throw in his direction. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we both are just listing negatives and concerns with the Miami Dolphins, so it's no surprise I've got them at 4-12, and last in the AFC East. Uh, nothing really excites me. Um, the future excites me for them based on the potential I think that is there in their coaching staff and making sure they get the right guys in the building. Uh, but this year, certainly a wash. Uh, you know, Josh Rosen, prove it season for elsewhere, but I think we'll have a new quarterback. We'll have a lot of new players on the roster next year, and hopefully, you know, the beginning of building, you know, trying to resemble whatever was happening in New England. We've got the Dolphins at fourth place at 4-12. and 12. That is the worst record in football. Um, I'm going also with the worst record in football, but 2-14 and 14, uh, for the Dolphins this year. I, I think they are going to get that number one pick, or it's at least... Be in contention for it. Uh, I have the Giants at three and thirteen, as well as the Bengals so far uh, in my series or uh, previews. 
uh, that we've done so far. So I think the Dolphins, right in that conversation for the number one pick, uh, this this is not going to be the year for them. The teams that tend to, to middle around in that seven to nine, eight and eight, nine and seven range, and never really bust out of it, uh, they got to bottom out at some point. And I think uh, the teams recognize that. You know, with with some of the moves that it made this offseason, it really is just uh, throwing a bunch of guys in there to see, you know, who can we invest in for the future. Uh, a lot of you got a lot of guys who. Uh, are running out of time to, to have you know their chance to prove themselves. They're saying this is your year, so see what we can make of it, uh, and then we'll move forward with the guys that we think we can depend on. Um, so this just isn't going to be the year for the Dolphins. I'm going with two and fourteen. Yep, no no surprises there, I guess. And there's probably no surprises where we're going next. Huh? No, no, certainly not. And that would be to the New England Patriots who finished last year at 11 and 5 uh with a particularly bad away record. They finished 8-0 at home but 3 and 5 on the road, uh which left a lot of people wondering whether the Patriots uh were the same kind of team as they were before. Certainly in the playoffs, they proved all of the doubters wrong, went on uh to become the best team in football once again. Uh, the New England Patriots winning the Super Bowl. They're coming into this year with the easiest schedule in the NFL this year uh, <laughs> in terms of strength of schedule, which is just bad news for everybody else. So uh, it's full steam ahead for Belichick and Tom Brady. What about you, Blake? Yeah, you know, starting off to me, you know, best best secondary in football. Um, you know, I don't think they have the best corner duo necessarily, but you get both the McCourty twins, Patrick Chung, Stephon Gilmore, who Stefan Gilmore is in the consideration for best corner in football. I would put him right up in the top three with, you know, a Jalen Ramsey type. Um, I do believe A.J. Bouye is in that top five consideration. Uh, you know, we talked how, you know, Tredavious White, Marshawn Lattimore, those guys are talented as well. Stefan Gilmore, to me, is probably, I'd say, a top three corner. Um, and then you've got, you know, a great safety duo. McCourty aside from him, last year, you know, this past year in the second round, they took Joe Juan Jawan Williams, I guess is how you would say. That's a weird way to spell Jawan. Um, but, you know, just a, a lot of talent in that secondary uh, and opposing defenses, man, or opposing offenses, I just fear for you, you know, in the passing game. Yeah, uh, in, in as far as their passing game goes, you know, they still have uh, 42-year-old Tom Brady, I believe, 43-year-old Tom Brady uh, at this point in his career. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, 42 it is. Um, the California native... Uh, I think isn't necessarily needs to be relied on as a top guy, um, but we're looking at a pretty good wide receiver group for him uh, that he's going to be able to work with this year with Julian Edelman uh, being there for the full 16 games after missing the first four last year uh, with suspension. Josh Gordon obviously got uh, left the team uh, for the end of the year. They weren't able to have him in the playoffs. They do lose a guy like Rob Gronkowski, but that's going to open up a lot of targets for other guys uh, in this offense to step up. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm really interested to see who really does take the big leap forward. Can Josh Gordon be a thousand yard receiver again? Uh, you know, expectations, I wouldn't say are super high for him at this point. Uh, a lot of people, you know, not necessarily considering him the world beater that he was uh, in his heyday back with Cleveland uh, prior to uh, having to step away from the team for all the personal reasons. But uh, I, I think that him and Julian Edelman can be a really fearsome wide receiver duo uh, for Tom Brady to use at his disposal. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, where I'm looking on the offense is actually uh, in the run game because we saw it last year, and we're going to see it more so go, uh, you know, in that trend this year, is that, uh, to me, the Patriots are turning into a run-first offense, which, 
you know, goes against everything that we've been talking about the, you know, the last few weeks with some teams is, you know, why aren't we, you know, being more, you know, first and 10 pass plays or second and eight pass plays? Um, you know, the league has been trending towards all these quick plays. And so what has that done that's made defenses get smaller and quicker? Now what the Patriots are doing is they're putting their five beefiest linemen up there. They're putting a fullback and a running back in the I formation, and they're just punishing these smaller, quicker defenders. And so now you're in a situation where you're New England, you're essentially just going back and forth against what the trend of the league is. You know, they're one of the first teams that implemented the short pass, you know, shotgun, you know, West Coast kind of offenses, and that forced the defenses to get smaller. And now that they're smaller, the Patriots are like, well, we're just going to stuff the ball down your face and you can't do anything about it. Uh, so I expect a big year out of, you know, Sony Michelle. James White, of course, is their scat back, essentially. Uh, but, but a big year for Sony Michelle, a big year for the run offense. And it's just Bill Belichick being smarter than everybody in the league, just going against what all the trends are. Because when the defense reacts to what the offense is doing, now the offense can take advantage of what the defense doesn't have. And that's size. And that's where, you know, the Patriots, I feel like, are just going to dominate in the trenches this year. Yeah, and, and speaking of the trenches, there's a big question mark at the center position uh, with David Andrews being placed on the IR uh, a couple of days ago. He's going to miss the entire season. Um, one of the team's captains last year, he has blood clots in his lungs, uh, not expected uh, to be ready uh, to even get back to training uh, for a considerable amount of months. Uh, so they're going to be leaning on uh, Ted Karras, who's only started five games uh, so far in his career, they also made a trade with the Bills uh, for center Russell Bodine or Bodine um, to add some kind of depth uh, at the center position. But uh, it's a really important position for, uh, for for the Patriots, considering Tom Brady is so meticulous uh, and, and to him, uh, the most important thing uh, in, in the offense is getting a good snap every single play. Uh, doing the little things right. Uh, and he's been known to really explode on centers in the past uh, who haven't been able to get clean snaps to him every single play. Uh, you know, with a young guy like Harris, uh, who is only going to be uh, entering his fourth season, like I said, only five games started in his career, has appeared uh, in 45 in his three-year career so far. So has at least been on the field, but uh, more often as a right guard than he has been at the center position. So certainly he's going to be making some big adjustments uh, and having to, you know, provide the stability that Tom Brady's looking for. Yeah, of course. Definitely a huge, you know, ass-to-hand connection right there. So that'll be important how they can adjust to, uh, hopefully hopefully this new center doesn't have swamp ass. Uh, I've heard swamp <laughs> ass is really bad yes. this time of year. It definitely um, is. So, so, yeah, it's a problem. Um, so at, at the beginning of this, uh, you said about how they have the easiest schedule in the league and oh my God, is it easy? Uh, you know, if, as long as they can take care of Pittsburgh later this week, they have a chance to go seven and Uh, they have a stretch between weeks eight and 14. That's a little difficult, but for the Patriots, I wouldn't say it's too much. They play the, uh, Browns, the Ravens, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Texans and the Chiefs. But then finish it off with three easy wins against the Bengals, Bills, and Dolphins. It's really strange how this always happens to work out for them. But the Patriots, uh, you know, the the dynasty of our generation, uh, yet again with an easy schedule. Yeah, and and you know we talk about Bill Belichick and have he just resets the entire team's uh, approach every single season, uh, if not every single game, uh, to tailor it toward the opponents that they're playing, that the state that the league is in. Uh, that's how they, they pick their personnel. Uh, and a player in line with that is Michael Bennett, a uh, defensive end who played with Philadelphia last year. 
uh, racked up nine sacks, which was one short of his career high. Uh, I expect him to be uh, play a huge part uh, on this team. You know, 34 years old. They look for guys who, who put their head down and get to work. Bennett, certainly a, a guy who's been known as a talker, but he's not going to be the first uh, player to, to be in New England uh, and, and talk to the media a lot. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, what comes out of his season, but I'm excited for what he's going to be doing on that front. It looks like he's going to be the primary edge rusher uh, in New England, and that is a very uh, enviable position uh, in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And so, so with the record for the Patriots, um, I didn't go too extreme. I actually went, you know, maybe a little under what I would expect from from the Patriots. But I do have them finishing eleven and five. Of course, atop the AFC East, uh, that secures the three seed for me. Um, or I guess I guess they'd have a shot at the two seed. But right now, I'm giving that edge to uh, to Pittsburgh. But the Patriots, eleven and five, another year atop. Uh, you know, the AFC, they'll have a shot to make it to another Super Bowl. I'm not too worried about them this year. Well, if I'm not mistaken, Blake, I think you gave the Steelers ten and six. Uh, was putting oh, down really? some notes I earlier. Oh, really? I wrong on here. Um, so that would give the Patriots uh, the edge right there uh, by one win. If you're sticking with that number, I am going to go uh, high on them. I'm picking them to go fourteen and two this season, which is going to be the best record in the NFL. Uh, I just think that the division isn't. The rest of the division offers an easy schedule. Uh, they're not really playing any uh, very many tough teams. Uh, especially getting off uh, to the start that they're going to have. Like you said, they could go 7-0 and to start the year if they do uh, handle Pittsburgh this weekend. Uh, I think that Tom Brady, you know, just continues to, to defy father time. The, the running back de- uh, group is deep, uh, offers a lot of security. Uh, you know, Brady doesn't have to necessarily air it out and be the guy. They can work uh, the system around uh, the running back crew. So uh, I'm going with 14 and two, number one seed in the AFC, and, and they're going to be uh, cruising uh, into the playoffs. That's huge, 14 and two. That That's is. Right. When was the last time have they gone? When was the last time they went 14? They went 14 and two in 2016, 13 and three 2017, <laughs> 11 and five. So it's happened. But yeah, certainly. I mean, God, if 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 the schedule goes as fair as it does for them, um, and and some of those teams they just breeze by, 14 and two uh, certainly would be an impressive year for them. Absolutely. Well, that's going to put a ribbon on our AFC East preview. Uh, we have gotten into the 50th minute here, so we're not gonna we're gonna try and go a little bit quicker here with the NFC. Yeah. West. Do you want to do you want to do two topics each? Uh, yeah. Just for the let, sake let's of time. Shoot for two. I like that idea. Um, right. So we'll cool. go in reverse order now. We're switching gears. NFC West uh, division that had the number one overall pick uh, with the Arizona Cardinals finishing 13 and three. They draft Kyler Murray. They have a new head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, who's supposed to completely revitalize their offense. Blake, uh, what stands out to you about the Cardinals? Yeah, what stands out to me, and it's it's not that I have questions about Kyler Murray. I know there are concerns for him in his rookie season, but I have more questions about what I've seen uh, out of Cliff Kingsbury so far. You know, I, I thought that he was going to come into this league with an exciting offense, but everything we've seen in the preseason is bland, 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 and it's easy for defenses to read. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe he's just trying to hide all of his tricks for the regular season. I certainly hope so. But, God, I feel like he would want to run those plays in preseason just to get a feel for how things are going. So um, hopefully the offensive scheme looks a little bit more difficult. 
uh, more complex. I mean, God, I don't think Kyler Murray has run a single play under center this preseason, uh, which is concerning. Quarter, you still need to do that in the NFL to throw defenses off with play action and things like that. So, uh, you know, less concerns about the players. Biggest concern for me is the coach and the system. Yeah, I think this is another team that's going to have a lot of prove it uh, guys, but more on the younger side than necessarily the Dolphins were. The Dolphins uh, have a lot of uh, middling players who are at the near ends of their rookie deals who need to prove it. Uh, we're going to have uh, some young guys coming in here, uh, and one I want to highlight is Christian Kirk uh, entering his second season. Uh, after having a decent year last year, finishing 590 yards, three touchdowns, uh, not blowing anybody away certainly, but only started seven games. Um, so, you know, he's going to have a full season uh, as perhaps the primary guy. Uh, Larry Fitz, obviously, still on the team, uh, still running uh, at his age. But at the same time, you'd like to think that Kyler Murray is going to work hard to develop a good rapper with Christian Kirk uh, because they're going to be on the same team for a while moving forward. Uh, Andy Isabella is another guy who, uh, a rookie this year, second round pick uh, out of the draft. I think, you know, the opportunity for them to. Uh, compete for uh, looks uh, Kyler Murray's way. It's going to be very important early on uh, because the guys that he develops the best relationship first might be the guys that uh, he moves forward and trusts uh, as the season goes on. So I have my eyes all on Christian Kirk. Uh, he's got uh, the best uh, chance here, I think, to really emerge as a, as a good threat uh, in the receiving game here in Arizona. Yeah, definitely. He should be one of the you know up-and-coming guys that Kyler Murray should definitely get connected with early on uh, to me looking at their schedule I mean the god they played just they played the collection of the toughest defenses in football um, you know in terms of talent you just go alone with you know uh, the Rams the Steelers the Browns you got to play the Rams twice and then you know a mix of scheme and talent you've got the Seahawks twice the Lions the Panthers uh, you know Atlanta's defense is going to be much improved with those guys back so it's really going to be a tough start for this offense. Um, you know, they don't have a good offensive line by any means. Uh, their defense isn't great, so they're going to be have to they're going to have to put up a lot of points. Um, I'm just I, nothing about this schedule seems exciting to me except the fact that they might be able to salvage a few wins against the Lions, the Bengals, the Giants and the Buccaneers. Yeah, and you know, I I think David Johnson is also going to be relied on heavily. Uh, to be the guy, you know, he's had a checkered injury history, uh, but this is a year where the the Cardinals really need Johnson to be healthy for a full season. Uh, I know he had a very good year last year, and uh, there are a lot of people who are bullish on him, uh, given his track record, uh, and certainly he deserves that, but uh, he's got to prove that he can stay healthy. Kyler Murray, you know, is going to need some of that pressure taken off of him. We've seen him uh, have some great flashes in the preseason for sure, but also, you know, have some really rough stretches and there are going to be times where uh, they're really going to need to take the pressure off of him. And David Johnson is going to be that guy. So uh, his health is going to be paramount because if he gets hurt, there are a lot of things in Arizona that are going to start to unravel. Oh yeah, for sure. And so I, I said earlier that, um, that I, that I had the dolphins is the worst team in football, but I had a team tied with them and that would be the Arizona Cardinals. I have them finishing four and 12, Along among the bottom, I do believe they end up probably with that second overall pick. Uh, you know, I, I would give the edge to Miami in whatever tiebreaker it is to end up at number one. But the Cardinals four and twelve, um, which is an improvement—a one-game improvement from last year, certainly. But uh, you know, hopefully, there are things that I'm just not seeing on the offense that'll prove me wrong and you know give a little more excitement. But to me, uh, you know, no no talent on defense. 
uh, really, aside from, you know, a, a handful, not even a handful of people. Um, you know, offensive line doesn't, you know, really excite me. And you've got a rookie quarterback that does have, I guess, some concerns. So, 4-12, uh, and 12, last place in the NFC West. I'm going last place and 4-12 and 12 as well. Uh, not the worst record for me. Uh, I, I have a couple of teams at 3-13 and 13 and 2-14. and 14. Uh, So, Cardinals are, are not going to be necessarily the first uh, number one overall pick once again, but I just don't see them uh, really – nothing in preseason has shown me that they have a chance of actually being competitive this year. I think that this is going to be another down year for them where they continue to build up with these young guys, uh, and they're really looking at 2020 as kind of their year uh, for entering the fray. Uh, of teams trying to make the postseason. Mm-hmm, definitely. All right, so moving on, though, we do have uh, the third-place team from last year, which finished 4-12, and and that is the San Francisco 49ers, a team that lost Jimmy Garoppolo early on in the season uh, and had to move on uh, with guys like Nick Mullins uh, and C.J. Beathard as the quarterback uh, throughout the rest of the year, certainly not an optimal position for them. They now have Jimmy G back, although he has looked a little rough uh, in the preseason, some people saying, don't worry about it. Other people are freaking out. Uh, I just kind of stand in a neutral spot right now. But, Blake, uh, what stands out to you about San Francisco? Yeah, I stand in a pretty neutral spot as well with his preseason. There are some things in terms of um, his posture in the pocket and his footwork have been janky. But you just take into consideration you know, nursing an injury, coming back and seeing how he does there. Uh, for me, with the 49ers, I mean, this is just a huge season. We thought it was going to be last year with Shanahan, um, you know, and we thought they were going to be the team that makes the big jump. And if they don't this year, then we put a lot into question with John Lynch and Shanahan as the GM head coach duo. Um, you know, after, you know, the last two years of, I guess the last three years, um, of course, they weren't there in 2016, but you go 2-14, and 6-10, and 4-12. and 12, uh, they're you know a historic franchise that isn't going to want to put up with this too much longer. So you need to see uh, that growth. They took a step back last year, so now uh, with Jimmy G, hopefully under center for a full season, healthy and some some things to work with around him. Hopefully they have the chance to kind of be that team that everyone is expecting them to be. Yeah, my spotlight is on Kyle Shanahan um, here running this offense. I mean. He has been heralded as one of the best offensive minds in football. He made Matt Ryan into an MVP. Uh, There's no doubt that with the the right situation, he can cruise with an offense uh, and and really turn it into something that hums. Uh, That just needs to happen this year. Uh, He's been given enough chances, considering some poor situations that he's been in uh, with the, the injury to Jimmy G., uh, the, the previous season, they, they don't start uh, Garoppolo until the last six games, and they went out, and everybody says, okay, you know, we saw what, what Shanahan can be like when he has a quarterback at his disposal who really performs like a franchise QB. That's got to happen this year because I think, oddly enough, he could be on the hot seat uh, at the end of the year. I think, like you said, this is a historic franchise and one that could grow impatient uh, if he doesn't put in the results that they're looking for right away. Uh, he would be the most highly coveted head coach on the market, that's for sure. He would have no problem finding oh, yeah. another job. Um, but the, the 49ers may find themselves having no choice but to cut ties with him uh, if, if Garoppolo's healthy uh, and they're unable to put in a winning season. Yeah, it would really be a shame because I do think he has good head coaching potential, but so many things haven't gone right in these first few years. Um, you know, looking at the schedule to me in the first, you know, 11 or so weeks, there are, you know, some hit or miss games. You play Pittsburgh, Cleveland, the Rams, and Seattle, but you do get games against the Buccaneers, the Bengals, the Redskins, and the Cardinals twice. Now the tough stretch 
is if they start off hot and they're in a situation where maybe they're, you know, seven and three or something like that. Weeks 12 through 17, they play the Packers at Baltimore, at New Orleans, home against the Falcons, then the Rams, and then at the Seahawks week 17. That is not an ideal finish to the season by any means. Absolutely not. And I just want to look at D Ford and Nick Bosa, who have the potential, uh, along with Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, and Sheldon Day, uh, to form really one of the, the most prolific pass rushing groups uh, in all of football. Bosa obviously has been dealing with an injury the past couple weeks, but he figures to be ready uh, by the start of the season. D Ford, their big acquisition from Kansas City, he's now being paid to be the guy uh, coming into this group. I, I think that they have a lot of potential. Uh, and they're going to make uh, life very difficult for opposing quarterbacks. So uh, I think this defense, um, which traditionally defense has been uh, a big part of the 49ers' identity, uh, I think they're getting back to that uh, a little bit with this group, and I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do. Yeah, definitely. So I, I do think this is the year they make slight improvements, and, and just as you had the Jets jumping from 4-12 and 12 to 8-8, eight and eight, that's what I have here with the 49ers. Nothing too special. I do think, you know, the double the win total, which is great, um, I can't say I'm totally, you know, not worried about the preseason, what we've seen from them. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I do have some concerns. You know, it's tough to take a look at that and not, you know, come away with any negative thoughts. So I don't think they're a team that really pushes towards the playoffs. Maybe they're a couple games away from sneaking in. But I do think that they're an 8-8 eight and eight team and they do make that move forward where maybe next year is the year they make that jump to the postseason. Yeah, I'm looking at seven and nine for this this team this year. Uh, about the same. I have them finishing third. Uh, they're in a tough division. Certainly, having to play uh, four games against the Seahawks and the Rams is not going to help them out. Um, you know, I don't know if if which Jimmy G uh, we're going to be getting because you know he really didn't get off to a hot start last year either. Uh, before he did go down, uh, so they're certainly hoping that he can you know change course on that. Um, but like I said, this is a, an important season for Kyle Shanahan. It's an important season for Jimmy Garoppolo. The way his contract is set up, they can cut him at the end of the season with little to no consequences. So if they do have a bad season, uh, they could go in a different direction with for the quarterback position, depending on their draft selection uh, in, in which QBs really show up um, and make themselves you know marketable enough to be drafted. But uh, I'm going with 7-9, and nine, finishing third uh, in the NFC West. Next up, next up, we do have the Seahawks, uh, who made the playoffs last year as a wild card team. They finished ten and six. They're bringing back Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll. They're looking for a similar identity to that they had last year, uh, with a very high volume run game. Obviously, the the big loss there is Earl Thomas, but they lost him to an injury last year anyway, uh, and did just fine without him. So they are looking to be uh, among the teams widely considered to make the playoffs. Blake, uh, what's the biggest storyline for you in Seattle heading into the year? Yeah, the biggest thing with Seattle is utilizing the weapons around Russell Wilson to me. Um, Of course, I mean, the running game is essentially what's going to be the biggest thing for Russell Wilson. Is it Chris Carson? Uh, is it Rashad Penny? I would I would go towards Chris Carson as the guy I would trust back there. Um, not to say that Penny isn't talented; it could you know make up for his rookie season that you know was you know not great last year. Um, but just getting the right weapons around Russell Wilson, giving him targets. You know, you lose Doug Baldwin. Uh, now you've got Tyler Lockett. You've got a you know a, a deep threat receiver. Uh, why can't I remember his name now that we're talking about him? Uh, let me pull it up real quick as I try and slow my words so I can flip to what I'm looking for. Um, DK Metcalf, I don't know why I wasn't thinking about that. I know he's a little banged up. But uh, David Moore, 
Tyler Lockett, um, those are going to be all right. But I'm more concerned about the running backs and, and which guy is really going to step up and be that guy, whether it's Penny uh, or Chris Carson. Yeah, I'm pretty high on Carson this year. Uh, a great high-volume runner. I don't think Rashad Penny. Uh, he just was so inconsistent last year. Um, I, I don't know if he's really going to be challenging Carson for the number one job. I can see Carson really pulling away with a yeah. majority of the touches by the end of the year. Uh, but the, the the disappointing training camp of DK Metcalf between his injuries and just the lack of, of highlight real plays and consistency uh, as a wide receiver, there were a lot of questions about him uh, heading into the draft. And obviously the big storyline was that he fell out of the first round after a lot of people considered him to be the top wide receiver uh, for most of the college football season. Uh, so the fact that they were able to scoop him in the second was seen as a steal at the time. Uh, you know, they, it seemed like they were all in on him and now he's falling down all the way to the bottom of the depth chart with fourth and seventh round picks, Gary Jennings and John Ursua, uh, respectively jumping him on the depth chart. Obviously the, the injury played a role in that and he, he's going to have the chance to get some reps, uh, in the games, but, uh, you know, it's a crowded group. Uh, David Moore showed some flashes as well. Uh, some people, uh, think that he has the potential to to take a starting job. You have, uh, you know, Tyler Lockett and Malik Turner at the top of that depth chart there. Uh, just a lot of, of, of average guys, not anyone at the Doug Baldwin level, certainly not at that consistency because he just really provided uh, the, the Seahawks, not necessarily, I would say, a number true number one receiver, uh, but somebody who could be, uh, you know, really relied on for to stay healthy one. I mean, he had that, that, that rough knee injury at the start of the year last year and that kind of pushed him back, but he still was productive when he was on the field. But, you know, in, in Russell Wilson's tenure, he's really relied on Doug Baldwin to kind of be that consistent presence over the middle of the field. Uh, and now he's looking for other options. And uh, it's really going to be a, a big question whether or not Metcalf can step up and, and be that guy or if, you know, he's going to continue to get jumped by other players. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I'm going to go away from talking about the schedule uh, because – we need to talk about the new man in town, that's Jadavian Clowney, and kind of the upgrade that he brings to this defense. Uh, very talented schematic-wise. Pete Carroll is definitely one of the better uh, defensive-minded coaches in football, but getting himself a, a freak of nature like Jadavian Clowney and putting him on a defensive line uh, with Ziggy Ansah, you know, rookie LJ Collier, uh, the first-round pick out of TCU, Bobby Wagner, uh, you know, they don't have all of the guys, you know, from from the heyday of the Legion of Boom. But getting a guy like Jadavion Clowney to play for the Seattle Seahawks is just a, a huge impact. And I'll be completely honest, I had the Seahawks team uh, a, a few games lower uh, than before they got Clowney. I do believe that just overall defensively, it's a huge upgrade. I think it's something that really gets a team kind of motivated and excited. I know Russell Wilson, you know, immediately went to Twitter and put, you know, a, a shout out to welcoming him, welcoming him to the team. Um, Seattle, I, I just think it's it's going to be a big year defensively for them, and and they're always, you know, one of the more consistent defenses, but a huge upgrade on the defensive line. And you know, even when they get uh, get back Reed from his suspension, uh, that's going to be a filthy defensive line. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and look at the schedule a little bit since you wanted to jump on Clowney, and uh, oh, they're, yeah. they're going to have a, a, a definitely a difficult start to the year. Uh, with Pittsburgh, New Orleans, and the Rams being three of their first five opponents, then followed by a stretch of the Browns, Ravens, and Falcons, all of which are teams that we look at as being competitive this year. Things do lighten up mm-hmm. uh, where they'll go on a stretch where they play Tampa Bay and San Francisco ahead of their Week 11 bye. They come back. It's Eagles, Vikings, Rams, uh, Panthers, 
Cardinals, and 49ers. So the last three games there look uh, to be a little bit easier. So if they're on the fringe heading into Week 15, you like their their, their chances. But um, I'm I'm actually going with nine and seven uh, on the year, and I have them winning the division uh, at nine wait, and seven. Wait, hold up. What? That's right. I have the Seahawks winning Sorry. the NFC West. Oh, I know it. I know it is. And trust me, we'll get to why uh, with the next team here. Um, but I'm going with the Seahawks winning the division at nine and seven this year. I think that uh, there are a lot of teams in the NFC that really stand out to me as powerhouses, uh, namely the Saints, the Eagles, the Packers, and the Falcons. I think those are four teams that are really going to separate themselves from the rest of the pack this year, uh, and they're going to be finishing with some high win totals. So there's going to be need to be a division that d- does not have teams uh, necessarily finishing with 10, 11, 12 wins. Uh, in winning their division. I think that the NFC West is going to prove to be a much tighter division uh, with teams really fighting for a playoff spot, uh, but not necessarily putting up outstanding records. Right, yeah, and I've got the Seahawks at 9-7 and seven too. I don't disagree with you then. Before the trade, I actually had them at 7-9, and nine, and I had them at third place in the division. I've got them jumping up to second, and they're one of those two two teams that just misses the playoffs alongside the Chicago Bears, who I also had finishing at 9-7. and seven. Just on the outside of the playoff uh, of the playoff race, um, certainly a talented team. Still have some questions on the offensive line. Do have some questions in the secondary after they've lost some guys, but a well-coached team. Russell Wilson is easily one of the better. I just did a fantasy draft today, uh, Matt. I did a fantasy draft earlier, mm-hmm. and Russell Wilson was like the ninth or tenth quarterback selected. I couldn't believe how long he lasted. Um, so. Uh, you know, I, I have the same record prediction as you. I just have a team that I have just a, a one game above them. Yeah, and we'll go ahead and talk about that. Uh, the, the elephant in the room, and that is the Los Angeles Rams, uh, who made it all the way to the Super Bowl last year before floundering uh, in that Super Bowl game against the Patriots. The offense really just putting up a dud, only scoring three points the entire game. Uh, just had to point that out, you know, because the Saints would have matched up better. Because against you're, such uh, <laughs> you're such a hater. You're such a hater. But uh, all all things considered, uh, they they had uh, an offseason where they lost a few key guys. So, Blake, uh, you obviously still believe in the Rams as being a legitimate threat in the NFC. Uh, What do you see them – what do you see standing out about them? Yeah, man, just – I mean – Defenses aren't able to stop Sean McVay, and I know you know we talk about how they put up three points in the Super Bowl, but that was because Sean McVay said after the game, I overthought it and made my offense simple. That's exactly what he did in that game. He didn't really pull out the bells and whistles, which he thought Bill Belichick was trying to get him to do that so he could take advantage of the mistakes. So he, he overthought that, but he'll get back to the normal play calling that we're all used to, and we'll get back to the 30-point games. Um, you know, on offense, getting Cooper Cup back in the slot, I think is huge. Um, alongside Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks, that's one of the best receiving trios in football. Uh, I know you had Brandon Cooks for a couple of years on the New Orleans Saints. He's one of the more underappreciated receivers in all of football. Of course, he's been traded around, which is why we kind of think of him as kind of a castaway, but he's been successful everywhere he's gone. Um, so, you know, Todd Gurley, some question marks. They bring in Daryl Henderson uh, as, you know, a rookie to kind of alleviate some of the pain. I think Gurley should be fine. You know, if we're talking past this season or the next, then we've got other questions. But to me, uh, this Rams defense is just super talented. Um, this Rams team is super talented. I think they've got star players all around. I think they've got the right coaches in place, you know, with Sean McVay and Wade Phillips. Um, 
I don't have a ton of questions with them, honestly. Yeah, I, I think that the Rams are just a team that's posed to, to take a step back this year. Uh, and I do think it starts with uh, the defensive side of the ball. They lose uh, Nagam Kinsu uh, and LaMarcus Joyner, uh, who are two important parts of that defense. They obviously sign Eric Weddle uh, to come in, who I think mm-hmm. is definitely an upgrade uh, over Joyner. Uh, but there's just not a lot of continuity uh, with this team. The secondary didn't necessarily put up some great numbers last year and, and got burned down the stretch. Uh, a lot of people talked about how after Cooper Cup got hurt, the offense took a big step back. Uh, but the defense really, you know, at, that Chiefs game kind of broke it uh, in a lot of ways. And in that game, a lot of people talked about how the offenses were ridiculous. And certainly, you know, there were a ton of yards, a ton of points put up. But there were, uh, you know, the defenses were just shredded. Uh, and, and they were put up, obviously, you know, the Chiefs offense is no, is no joke. But uh, I think after that, the defense was just kind of reeling from then on. Uh, you know, didn't really play well down the stretch. And I'm not just not convinced that the, the defense is really going to be the unit that we thought it was in the first half of the last season. Uh, because, you know, a lot of t- people were talking about how the Chiefs and the Rams were the two best teams in football for a while, uh, but that the Rams stood out because they had the much better defense. And certainly uh, with a guy like Aaron Donald up front, you're, you're going to have uh, a consistent uh, threat against the quarterback. So there's not going to be a ton of pressure on the secondary. But at the same time, you know, they're just... To me, uh, I just see some regression in some certain areas, and uh, I'm not sold on the Rams being a legitimate uh, top 10 defense uh, in 2019. Yeah, I mean, I would still probably put them in the in the latter half of that top 10, maybe in the 7 to 10 range, and I do think that they regressed. I don't think they're going to be, uh, you know, the 13 and 3 team that they were last year, or maybe even the 11 and 5 team they were the year before. But I still think, you know, you take a look up and down the roster. They've got just they've got key weapons all over the place. Um, and, you know, I guess my second thing looking at their schedule, it is tough. You know, it's a bad year to be a team in the NFC West because there are tough opponents that you have to face outside of the division. Uh, you know, they have to play, you know, the Saints and the Falcons. Uh, they do have to play the Browns. They've got to play the Bears. They play the Cowboys, the Steelers. It's not an easy schedule, but I do believe that they've just – they're Scheme alone and star players alone, I do think that they're still one of the better teams in football. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think the schedule is too overbearing in certain areas. It doesn't pile up in a stretch of, you know, six games in a row that terrify you. It's, you know, three and then easy games, or it's two and easy games. Um, so it's all spread out to me, uh, and I think that that should be a little bit easier for the Rams to kind of, you know, bounce back after a tough loss and things like that. And yeah, uh, as far as the offense goes, you know, Sean McVay is one of the best offensive minds in football. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, you know, the the knee injury with Todd Gurley, which they've consistently insisted that he is fine. Uh, but just the way that they played, he played last year and the workload that they had to uh, take off and hand off to C.J. Anderson, uh, you know, that that's going to put a big spotlight on Daryl Henderson this year, the rookie out of Memphis, uh, who rushed for 1,900 yards uh, in Memphis last year. Uh, but really wasn't a huge force in the passing game, uh, did finish with 295 yards and three touchdowns uh, as a receiver last year. But uh, this that's a big part of, of this team, of this identity. Uh, Jared Goff, who, you know, is, I think, is still deserving of his number one pick status uh, for what he can do in a system that's tailored around him. But a big part of that is being able to dump off the ball. Um, and, you know, Gurley being a consistent presence for him uh, in the passing game, in the flats, if need be. Uh, that's important. And I, you know, Daryl Henderson's really going to need to step up and be that guy. Uh, you know, he's not going to be running between the tackles as much as he was at Memphis. 
uh, with that offense really relying on him throughout the year. So uh, I, I'm, I have all eyes on that running back committee. Uh, Malcolm Brown is mm-hmm. in there as well um, in terms of what it's going to do and whether or not it can provide the same production that we saw uh, last year between first half Gurley and second half Anderson. Definitely. And, you know, just one quick thing before I give out my season prediction. I've always thought about this with the Rams and what they might do at the end of this season or, you know, at the end of the point where uh, Jared Goff is eligible for, you know, an extension or becomes a free agent. And I just think it would be so interesting if, if you know, you talk about the limitations that Goff might have and you take Sean McVay, who, you know, easily thinks he's the brightest mind in football and, you know, aside from Bill Belichick, probably is. Is there a, a situation out there where they let Goff walk in free agency and they take a quarterback so they can maximize paying other positions like the offensive line and maybe, you know, the linebacking core. Do you think that that's ever a possible way that the NFL could go where you're not paying quarterbacks prime money? You know, I think if any team did do this, it would be the Rams and Sean McVay. Right. uh, For how forward-thinking he is, you know, I would... I thought that the the Cowboys uh, might do that with with Dak Prescott. Obviously, he's still looking for a deal, um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think I think that this is a team that really could afford to do that. Now, uh, we, there was an interesting uh, tweet that I saw about Prescott uh, and the number of quarter. They had an entire list of all the quarterbacks drafted since him uh, outside of the first five picks uh, because you know the Rams even if they did move on from Goff. They wouldn't have a top five pick. They'd have to pick, you know, later in the first round. Yeah. Outside of the top five, there was really nobody uh, that stood out um, as a uh, world-beating quarterback. I think Lamar Jackson uh, had the best season of anybody not drafted within the top five. So, um, you know, pretty interesting there uh, in, in that the Rams would have to probably trade up uh, to get a, a decent draft pick and pick a QB of the future if they did do that. Um, and, and whether or not you, th- you think giving up that draft capital is worth it, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, but I think it's certainly something that the Rams should entertain. I advocate for it. I just want to see a team do it. Uh, it's ballsy for sure. Uh, having to, you know, pull the plug on a quarterback who's, who's run your offense so well uh, and just let him walk in free agency, it's just not something that we've seen happen. I mean, Kirk Cousins, I guess. Uh, but you know, he, he, I, you know, he didn't have the kind of production in my opinion that, that Jared Goff is capable of having and, and had last year. Uh, so yeah, I, I think if any team would do yeah. it, it'd be the Rams. Right. And just to go back on something you said to correct, was it top five or top 10? Because there are some it guys in that 10. five It might've been top 10. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Just making sure. Cause there are a few, I think in that range, but yeah, outside of the top 10, it probably would end up being. Uh, Lamar Jackson over those few years. Um, so, so yeah, it would be an interesting way to see the NFL go, and we'll have to wait till next year to see it. But for now, for this year, I've got the Rams finishing at 10-6. and six. That is first place in the division, right above Seattle. They fit in as, uh, I'm trying to see where I have them right now. That would be the four seed in the NFC. Uh, certainly, you know, a little bit of a drawback. You know, we give some of the concerns, and I didn't even mention, you know, definitely some concerns on the offensive line as well. They lost a few guys you know, Roger Saffold, guys like that. So should be interesting to see how things fare out. Matt, you, we, you, you had the hot take of the day for me that really <laughs> caught me off guard. Where do you have them finishing? I have them going 9-7, and seven, same record as the Seahawks, oh, okay. but I'm giving the edge to Seattle wow. in the division uh, and having the You're Rams so come salty. in. You're so salty. Uh, I know, I know, <laughs> but it, I, I do <laughs> think that this teasing. team I'm is teasing. really prone for regression. Um, and, you know, I yeah. think Jared Goff uh, had a. I, I think he peaked. Not necessarily. 
that he's not capable of having the same type of season, but that is is the best of what we're going to see out of him. We've he's kind of that's his ceiling. Um, so whether it, it, the odds that he achieves his ceiling again are not necessarily great, um, I, I think he might take a bit of a step back this next season. I'm going with nine and seven. They do nab that second wild card spot, so that's going to round out our oh, okay. Picks, there you go uh, in the NFC. Nice. So I still have the Rams. Uh, making the playoffs. I had two other teams finishing nine and seven. They were the Vikings and the Cowboys. Uh, so right. I'll give the tiebreaker to the Rams uh, in that situation. Um, but that's going to wrap up our NFC side of the preview. We'll do AFC West on Thursday so that you guys can, uh, we can wrap up the AFC and go through all our playoff teams. But real quick, I'm just going to run through the teams that we have in the playoffs. Uh, I just happened to write them down before we started the show. Uh, I have in the NFC three teams going 13 and three. Um, which looking back, uh, I kind of did that as we went. So, uh, maybe I should have had one team higher and one team a little bit lower, but I'm rolling with it. Uh, and that's the Packers, Saints, and Eagles. Um, stay tuned for who I'm going to have be the one and two seeds. Haven't decided yet. Um, but we'll have that in next week's, uh, next episode, uh, followed by, uh, the Falcons finishing 11 and five, uh, and the Rams going nine and seven. That is rounding out the NFC playoff teams. Blake, do you have yours in front of you? You want me to read yours off? I do. I've got mine here, and I've got the seedings as well. So nice. I actually did think. I'm not sure if I've screwed that up with the Steelers or not. I'll have. I probably did screw that up. Um, yeah, I listened through all I, the old episodes today, so you did go ten and six. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. So I'll have to change that on my end. But I've got the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh wait. Oh, you might just be spoiling. We're in the NFC, bro. I might be spoiling them <laughs> in the NFC. I opened up the wrong tab. Damn it. <laughs> I've got the Atlanta Falcons as the number one seed at twelve and four. There's I've got the Philadelphia team. Eagles at the two seed with a twelve and four record as well. Um, I've got the Green Bay Packers. Why is my screen freezing? I've got the Green Bay five. Packers at eleven and five, winning the NFC North. The Los Angeles Rams at ten and six, and then my wild card teams: the Saints at ten and six, getting that five seed, and the Cowboys at the six seed with a ten and six finish as well. Uh, I did give away my spoiler for the AFC, so. Uh, but if you want to hear why, then you mean it's not the, the Raiders? Episode. What? No, yeah, I don't have the Raiders as the one seed in the AFC. Clearly, you didn't buy into Hard Knocks um, and yeah, what they got not. going over there. Um, all right, well, that's going to do it uh, for our episode. We're hitting right near the hour and a half mark. Um, so glad if you Classic. all stuck with it. We are happy uh, to still have you with us. Uh, as always, don't forget you can rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, where we stream. Uh, go ahead and hit it the five stars. Uh, subscribe, unsubscribe, and resubscribe again. Uh, help boost our numbers a little bit. Um, <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Matt Wyrick FBB, uh, where I write about the Nats and on weekends anything having to do uh, with DC sports. Uh, and Blake, of course, is at Blake Andrew Pace, where he writes about the Colts. He writes about Syracuse. Uh, with Syracuse getting off to a good start. Uh, they beat Liberty, yeah. right, in that first game? Shutout win. Yeah, shutout yeah. win. It wasn't as convincing of a win as I would have liked, so we're going to have to wait and see what's going on there, but definitely a good start nonetheless. That's right. Hey, you'll take 1-0 and uh, with Jamie. Hey, yeah, I'll take going it. Going 0-1 to West Virginia. We yeah. were a little disappointed to see that. Uh, certainly some sloppy play calls that we were hoping uh, would have gone the other way. You know, We'll save, we'll save uh, should they have punted at the end there. Um, for another time. Um, but that's certainly a debate uh, I'm, I'm sure Blake's got some hot takes on. So, all right, everybody, thank you all again for listening. Blake, any final words for the good people? 
No, thanks for listening. Uh, we're we're here. It's the glorious time of football. I'm so excited to get back and and yeah, to finish off these season previews, man. We we've been uh, we've been grinding with them, so it's exciting to wrap that up and then see how much stuff we can fuck up in the next 16 weeks. <laughs> Hopefully not too much, but we'll see. And uh, it'll yeah. be fun to go back and look at these at the end of the year and see which hot takes yeah. panned out and which ones didn't. So, all right, Blake. Thanks for joining me tonight, uh, I guess, this morning for people who are listening. But thank you all so much for listening, and have a good one. Take care.